Hi everyone, Sandman here. Today's video is brought to you by a donation from Billy. And here's what Billy has to say. Dear Sandman, about eight years ago I became friends with a co-worker at my job in Florida. He was an older guy in his late 40s, and at that time I was in my early 20s. He was a die-hard conservative, and during that time period in my life, I leaned more towards the liberal side. We would always debate politics and sometimes talked about sports. One day, the topic of women came up during a political debate, and the topic of our conversation ended up shifting. He told me that he had never been married, and he had never had kids. I was curious as to why he chose to live that particular lifestyle, so I asked him, and his response was a story about his past. He told me that he grew up in a small religious town, and in that town there was a woman that he had a crush on since high school. Even though he tried talking to her in the past many times, she never reciprocated interest. Then, one day when he was 20 years old, he saw her at a party, and to his surprise, she started a conversation with him. At the end of the night, he asked her for her phone number, and she gave it to him. They went on a date the next day, and the date went really well, and they even had their first kiss. He said that he was head over heels in love with her, and was so happy that he finally was able to hook up with the girl of his dreams. After their second date, the following weekend, he brought her to his apartment. They started kissing and doing foreplay on one another, and then he told her to hold on while he went and got some condoms. When he got up, she immediately asked him what he was doing. He told her that he was going to get some condoms. Then she made a face and told him not to worry about it. He then told her that he was not going to have sex with her without using protection. She then replied that, well, if you're not going to use a condom, then we're not going to have sex. After she said that, he told her that he felt like it was time for her to go home. On the way back to her house, they didn't say much to one another. And after he dropped her off, he never called her ever again. Two months later, my friend heard that his high school crush got pregnant from another guy. The guy even agreed to get engaged to her, and they agreed to get married a couple months before the baby should have been due. Her parents were very religious and frowned upon having children out of wedlock. They actually frowned upon her having sex out of wedlock as well, but they were content with them getting married before the baby was born. A month after they got engaged, gossip started filling the town again about my friend's high school crush. The guy that she got engaged with broke off the engagement and started challenging her on whether the baby was his. He was saying that the due date of the baby was not matching the time frame when they first had sex. Up until she gave birth, the people in the town were shaming the man and telling him that he was trying to get out of taking care of that particular child. She kept on insisting to her parents and everyone else that he was the only one that she had ever had sex with. After she gave birth, they did a paternity test, and the results came back that he wasn't the father. The truth ended up coming out later on as well. She met a guy one day at a party that had just been released from prison after serving two years. She fell head over heels for this man and lost her virginity to him. When she finally found out that she was pregnant, she told the convict and they got into a big argument, and then he ended up disappearing. Out of fear of what her parents would think, she decided to trick a decent man that had a bright future ahead of him into believing that the child was his. This way the child would have a father and she wouldn't get scorned by her parents. I guess my friend's experience with that woman scared him into never falling in love again. My two questions to you are, how often do you think beta male providers are tricked into raising other men's children? 
Also, do you think all men, whether they're married or not, should get a paternity test to be safe on whether the child is really theirs? Thank you. Billy. Okay, Billy, first of all, thank you very much for your detailed writing and comments. I'm sure I'm not going to be the only one enjoying your story. With regards to being tricked into raising other men's children, this happens all the time. The statistics say that up to 20% of all children do not actually belong to their biological fathers, the ones that are on their birth certificate in the United States. Most people talk about cuckolding, but it's rarely explained. What is it exactly? The way I understand it, it has to do with the cuckoo bird. Apparently the cuckoo bird would go to the nest of other cuckoo birds and lay her eggs there so that the other birds would assume that the egg actually belongs to them. At the same time, the other female cuckoo bird might go to another female's nest and lay one of her eggs there as well. The nature of the female cuckoo bird is to lay multiple eggs in multiple nests. And in some way, many of the birds in these nests are raised as a form of community property. What if one of the nests was attacked by a predator like a cat? Then in some way the genetic material from both pairs of birds would have a better chance of surviving. So in some ways, cuckolding is a reproductive strategy that increases the odds of survival of birds. What if we look at human reproduction the same way? From a reproductive standpoint, if we take human couples and both the male and female partner go out and cheat on their partners and have children with other partners, then it basically increases the possibility of the survival of their genes. We often blame women for cheating on men, and then suckering a guy with more resources and means into raising that particular child with them. But in the past, most societies had things like wars, plagues, and hunger that killed off many children. What if your children got tuberculosis and started dying off, one by one, as it spread throughout the household? At least one of your offspring might survive in someone else's house. This would happen for both sexes. Women would get men to cuckold their kids, and men would have a bastard child with another woman. Today, however, most children survive into adulthood, so this survival strategy of human cuckolding doesn't really make any sense anymore. We can easily say that it's terrible for a woman to snooker some respectable man into raising a child that doesn't belong to him. But from the standpoint of genetic diversity, the woman has a greater chance of ensuring that her genes survive as well as the bad boy thug that's often impregnating her. And from a mentorship point of view, who is the ideal person to raise that child? The cheating father or the one that's going to be a great provider, providing resources and mentoring as well as skills? I'm playing devil's advocate here to a certain extent, just so that everyone knows. There's no need in this day and age for women to try to cuckold their kids. The social safety net, i.e. welfare, is there to ensure that children will be fed well into adulthood. The way I see it, cuckolding has more to do with women maintaining or elevating their social status while still having the ability to raise a kid from a man that makes her tingle. It's often hidden behind the idea that it's in the best intentions of kids, but in reality, it's all about human females having her cake and eating it too. There's something even more important to talk about here than just cuckolding. What's more disturbing than a cuckold is when a man willingly marries a single mother with children. When I was in high school, I ended up dating a girl with three other siblings, all of them female, and they live with their mother and their stepfather. We hear terrible stories about why men shouldn't date single mothers or marry them. And here was this guy dating a woman and living with her and her four teenage daughters. This was basically a lawsuit waiting to happen. But that's a story for another day. 
Essentially, nothing really bad happened, and he didn't hit on any of his stepdaughters. But the reason I'm bringing up this story is because many, many couples are separating and then getting remarried and still raising other people's kids in newly formed families. So in some crazy way, marrying a single mother and then having another child with her while your ex-wife marries another guy and then has kids with him is a more socially accepted form of cuckolding in today's modern age. Not sure if that really makes any sense. I think the base of my argument is that, sure, two families will be broken emotionally, but much more genetic material will be flung around like poo, and the cards will basically land where they may. In the end, there will be more emotional pain in the family, but there will also be more genetic diversity. Genes don't typically care about emotional baggage or broken families. Our genes are designed to alter our behavior so that they can survive better and be passed on to following generations. If you look at a guy like Nikola Tesla, one of the greatest inventors of the world, you'll notice that he never had any kids or passed on his genetic material because he was too busy working on his inventions. He was able to override his genes and not reproduce with some woman that would have ended up destroying his inventive spirit and also preventing him from accomplishing what he did in his lifetime. Like other men going their own way, he went down a path that led to the ultimate destruction of his genes, but essentially led him to a more fulfilling life and he was able to mentor his young nephew about inventing, as well as countless other men. And some of these men went on to do really great things. If we are successful in shutting down our sexual urges and desires, and becoming MGTOW, and use our rational minds, then we essentially destroy the survival of our genes. That's the power of MGTOW, the ability to free our genes from the reproductive cycle, and lead them down a path of extinction. I'm sure most of our genes will survive in some men, but some will ultimately be lost. In each subsequent generation, there will be less men able to control their sexual urges. So each new generation of men is basically hornier than the last, and each new generation of women is more likely to manipulate men by manipulating them through sexuality. Anyways, recently I listened to an episode of the Tom Likas show from a while back. I'm not sure about the title or the link on YouTube, but he speaks to a woman that cheated on her husband, and she had no problem getting him to raise that particular child that she had outside of wedlock. It's in the genetic makeup of women to rely on cuckolding if they can get away with the consequences. Billy also ended up asking me a second question. Whether all men, married or not, should get a paternity test to be on the safe side when having a child with a woman. And I think the government should basically test the paternity of all fathers that are put on birth certificates. I know a lot of people would probably say that the government shouldn't have a record of our DNA. But doing such a test at birth would ensure that women would become more accountable about who they slept with and who they claim their children's fathers are. It would be an excellent way to police women's infidelity. But I'm sure it's not going to happen as it's going to cost an arm and a leg for most medical establishments and governments to basically implement it. Anyways, thanks again to Billy for your donation, and thank you everyone for taking your daily dose of red pills. Enjoy the rest of your day, and cheers.